You are listening to Lesbians on Screen, a podcast that looks at lesbian and queer women on big and small screens. This season, we are delving into the global phenomenon of Juliantina. I'm Sheena. My pronouns are she, her. Hi, everyone. Excited to be here. Monica McCowan. My pronouns are she, her as well. And I am a lesbic author and Juliantina superfan and aficionado, I guess, which is why I was invited to be on this podcast. But uh, extremely excited to, to get to relive one of my favorite fandoms that I've ever been a part of. Last time, Guille got arrested. Something happened with Jules and Val. I mean, spoiler alert, something's always happening with Jules and Val, and at the point we're at in the show, it's usually not a good thing. This is true. Ava was particularly delightful. Her and Val had an argument until eventually they were just done with arguing. And Val actually apologized right at the end of the last episode we were chatting about. Yeah, and I think we ended with a scene, it was that scene with Ava, Lucia and Val all together. That's right. On to today's episode. So now we start off with Panchito and Lupe. They're sitting there eating something. And Lupe's feeling stressed because she hasn't heard anything from Jules. And (laughs) Panchito says, you know, she's angry with you because you don't understand what she's going through. And he's, he's pretty consistent in his commentary on Lupe's treatment of her daughter. Yeah, to the point that Lupe wants him to go with her to look for Juliana. And he's like, you know, basically the implication is if she wanted you to know where she were, wanted to talk to you, she would talk to you. And I think he knows that they're just, if she finds her, they're just going to get into the same fight again. Because even though Lupe's worried about her, nothing has changed. Absolutely. And then Lupe gets a phone call from the restaurant where Jules is now staying at that nice old lady. And that lady has just phoned Lupe to let her know where Jules is. And maybe this is a plot hole or maybe it was clarified and I just don't remember. But I guess Lupe doesn't work there anymore. She probably stopped working there after she got shot and went into hiding. That must be what it was. Yeah. So I think Lupe is just being a kept woman by Panchito at this point, and they're staying in that house for free. (laughs) Now my favorite person these days. And uh, she asks him to come with her to the restaurant to go see Jules, and he says, no, you should probably give her some time, and you should probably understand what's going on with her and Valentina first. I do love him. Now we cut to Jules, and she's texting Val, how are you doing? And Val comes back with saying, not good, because Gia's been arrested. And then she tries to, this is one of those scenes where Jules is trying to reach out to Val because she's having a rough time, only to discover that Val's also having a rough time, so she doesn't want to put her own problems onto Val. Now we're with the, um... The Carvajal clan. Mm, at breakfast, I assume. I completely forgot about this part. They think that Val's dad gets grave robbed, but obviously... Well... We don't ever know if his body's running around somewhere. That's one of the great mysteries of the show. Because his soul is in Hakobo's body. And Juliana's father's soul is in Beltran's body. So we don't know what happens to Beltran's soul. And we don't know what happens to Val's dad's body. Right. So it's possible that Beltran's soul is in Val's dad's body running around somewhere. 
But his body disappears. The police came to tell the family. Now the family's discussing it. And they're like, why would someone steal his body? Just knowing what we know about the show, it's a very good possibility Beltran's running around in this other dude's body. Right. And Ava immediately says, well, we can't let anybody know about this. So she's, you know, sticking to her <laughs> current character arc. And unfortunately, Lucia tells her that Montia told her the press already knows. So it's, you know, it's this public thing. But that's not the important thing. The important thing is we cut to the next scene. And Lucho is at my baby Valentina's house talking to her instead of Juliana, rubbing her back. Like, they're friends or something. Sitting in front of a nice romantic fire. And he's telling her, like, well, the guy that Guille got in trouble with was bad sort and he was always going to get into trouble and blah, blah, blah. Kind of like a he should have known better type of thing. And Val is just sort of nodding and looking distraught. And then he rubs her shoulder, puts an arm around her. And just as they look very cozy and all loving, Jules walks in sees the picture, two of them in front of the fireplace. Val looks around, pulls away from Lucho. That, like, (laughs) that look, if looks could kill, she looks at Val and then she kind of, like, snaps her head back and just walks away. I think that they played that scene so perfectly that you understand why Juliana is so hurt when she gets there. And I think, you know, the Juliantina shippers are like, Lucho should have never been there anyway. But the scene is a lot more than that. If you start from even before it, one, you have this idea that even though it's not fair, Lucho is still allowed in their world in a way that most people aren't because they've known him his whole life. He's wealthy. He knows the people that they know. So he's always gotten to kind of like slip past these different things, even when they were fighting and he would show up drunk and try and push Valentina around. Like they just let him come into the home juxtaposed with, you know, Juliana, who was stopped by the guards. And it was like, we don't know you. You can't come in. And I think that those parallels are really important. So now we're at this situation where you know, Valentina, bless her heart, doesn't want to overwhelm pools with all the stuff that's going on in her life. And Lucho does know this world. So I really do believe that, you know, she just needed comfort and needed somebody to talk about these things with. And I think that Lucho has made himself very available to be that person. Um, But, you know, Juliana walks in and kind of only sees the iceberg tip of that entire situation that's happening and I think that the reason I'm spending so much time discussing that is because what it leads to is very important and it's not just oh she saw you know Val sitting with Lucho it's so much more than that it's all of these other issues that are bubbling to the surface her fight with her mom and her mom not accepting her her probably being hurt that she went to bat for she and Juliana or she and Valentina, even though they're not even together and her really trying to figure this out and come into her own. And then she goes over and reaches out to see Val and make sure that she's okay. Cause she knows she's having a rough time. And what does she see, but possibly the single worst thing she could see, which is Lucho with his arm wrapped around 
Valentina comforting her. And to compound it, when they when she was reaching out to Val via messaging, Val kind of dismissed her, said, I'll tell you about it later. Yep, absolutely. Lucio was like invited into the space where Val was talking to him as well. And there was this kind of intimate moment. I can completely see why she went where she went. Yeah, it's perfect storm. Absolutely. Now, she's on her way back to her workplace slash where she's sleeping, and she overhears her mother talking to the lady who runs the the place. And she looks really irritated that her mother found her, and when she goes in, she just sees her mother straight up says, I don't want to argue, right? And then walks past. Lupe's like, no, she doesn't want to argue, but she wants her to come home. You've got a room. You're sleeping in a cot here. So Jules turns around and confronts her and says straight up, I'm not coming home. Lupe's like, stop having a tantrum. Ah, Lupe. Lupe keeps talking about how she's being impulsive. Yeah, now the, the conversation's all about how Jules is being basically an impulsive teenager and running around after her hormones and Val was just an impulse. Jules straight up says it's not it's not an impulse. Lupe bats back with it's not a normal relationship. A man and a woman is a normal relationship. So we're going around in the same sort of circle again. Lupe is using very derogatory language, saying things like, why were you screwing around with Valentina? Right, referring to a straight relationship as a normal relationship. Um, You've never had a normal relationship. You don't know what it's like to be with a man. Yeah, she managed about 30 seconds before she kind of lays into Val and, you know, questioning her and making her defend this position. And I'm sorry, with Juliana. And if you know, you know, Juliana, which you probably do from all the hours you've watched, that's not something she responds to well being pushed in the moment to validate all of these things. And she did it uh, when her mom caught them kissing Val because she knew that it was important to stand up for Val. But now it's just her and she's alone and her mom keeps pushing her. And, you know, even saying like, oh, did you like girls since childhood? Like, well, that's a long time to think back through for a question you didn't know you were going to be asked. And I'm sure, you know, she's been trying to think about things a little more, but there's also been a lot going on. And yeah, her mom is just pushing every single button that she can push to to upset Juliana. And Jules straight up comes back and says, oh, can you stop saying I was screwing around? I wasn't screwing around. I was in love. Okay. And it's the same language she's using all the time. She talks about it as love. It's love. It's not screwing around. It's not something deviant. It's being in love. And this is something Lupe doesn't seem to be able to wrap her head around. Now we cut to your favorite person. I wish you could all see the very cute smile that Monica is sporting right now. She kind of did bad, though. She, I'll acknowledge it. You know, I don't think she's perfect. I just think she's perfect for me. So, but, <laughs> but I think, you know, she kind of did bad. I understand. I, I spent a couple of minutes laying the groundwork for how we got in that situation to try and help other people understand. But yeah, I mean, she, she could have handled things a little bit better. She's running around with Lucho and Juliana's alone defending 
the fact that she fell in love with Val to her mom. So they're having different kind of days. To be fair, she doesn't know that this is what's going on in Jules' life right now because Jules has not told her. But Jules tried. She tried to reach out to her and then she went another length and went over there. And that's when she saw her with Lucho. So she's making the effort without coming right out and saying, I need you to make time for me. I'm going through this thing. I think also we need to just acknowledge that it's difficult for Jules to be vulnerable for someone. So she doesn't want to put herself on the line and wait, which is why she ran away when Val was trying to call her back, which is why she doesn't want to talk to Val because she doesn't want to put herself in a vulnerable space. And maybe it's because she's a little bit worried that Val's going to say to her, I'm back with Lucha. Yeah. And I think there's also an additional component that she doesn't want to have any type of conversation with Lucho there. So the fact that he's there already means that she just needs to extricate herself from the conversation or the situation as quickly as possible. Yeah, I agree with everything you said. So now we're back with Val and she's texting Jules and we hear her voice over as she's telling us what she's texting, right? I've been calling you. Please let me explain what happened. Call me when you get the chance. And then Chivis is knocking on her door and tells her that Alira is ready to take her to the police station. Okay, now we're back with Lupe, who's bracing herself because she's going to try and talk to Jules again. I think Lupe doesn't go in planning these sort of attacks, but it just happens in the heat of the moment. She's trying a different tactic now. She's saying, you know, sweetie, they didn't teach me about this stuff. I came from a world where homosexuality isn't natural. And Jules is just not letting her get away with anything. Okay, Lupe, you're still not helping. So Jules asks, well, what is natural then? So Lupe is like, well, you know, man and a woman and having a family. And you're giving that up with you, you know, with Valentina. So Jules is just like, so you really think, I'm thinking about having a family. I love her in this scene. She is gonna cut her mother down with her vicious, vicious words. And <laughs> Lupe deserves every second of it. Ooh, she's like, you think I went to family off to the family I've had. And I love that line. I'm barely finding out what it's like to be in love and I'm having a really bad time. And she's 100% right. She is having the worst time at finding out what love is. This poor chick is like... I would not change places with her. And then she says, leave. Just leave. Seriously. And I think, you know, this is another important time to kind of stop and say, like, and show the juxtaposition, you know, because in a TV show, you can't really show what the characters are thinking. So you're seeing Juliana stand up to her mom and, you know, not backtrack on the fact that what she and Valentina had, has, have, uh, is real. And, you know, just standing by those things when push comes to shove with her mom. But you have to know that internally, these ideas are running through her mind. And the person that she loved and cared about most in this world, her mother, is 
completely unaccepting of who she is, of what she's telling her, is saying all of these things to her. So even if right now Juliana looks very strong and very confident with what she's saying, you have to know that like these words are starting to cause little splinters and fractures and chinks in her armor because Lupe has just been going at her for a day now over like four or five different conversations about this. So again, just want to set the scene for kind of what is to come and, you know, what headspace Juliana is going to be in when this all happens. So then we see Jules holding her phone and Valentina, I think, is trying to phone her. Right. And like Valentina said before, she's been calling her all day. Once the thing with Lucho happened, she, you know, immediately tried to call her and has been texting her. But yeah, Juliana's just kind of shut down after seeing that. Yeah. And I think it's a lot to do with her own internal journey she's going through right now. And I think it also is she's hurt about seeing Val with Lucio and about Val not reaching out. And this is like a common problem that they've been having again and again, where Val shuts it out when she's going through something. Well, yeah. And also, you know, I don't think that they really know how to be just friends at this point. You know, they broke up, didn't see each other, were around each other for like maybe two hours and ended up making out. Like, they don't know how to not be together now that they know what it's like to be together. So I think that also Juliana just doesn't know what to do with that. She wants to be close to Val and she wants Val's comfort. But given what's going on with her mom and what's going on with everything else, I think she is still confident that they should stay the course, that they shouldn't be together right now, that it's too complicated. She's failing to realize how complicated not being together is as well, but she's young. So now she's in the restaurant. She puts her phone away. We know Val is trying to call her and a voice calls from behind saying, hi, what's up? She turns around and Sergio is there. What are you doing here? She asks. And he's like, well, he went to her house and he's, and her mother said she's there. And he says, oh, I've got news about Costa Rica. They said they can give you a job and a place to stay. And she's like, okay, well, that's great. And then he offers to take her out for food. And the little old lady who owns the restaurant sort of intervenes and says, go, go, you know, have fun. And between Sergio and the little old lady, I don't know what her name is, Perla, apparently, just popped up on the screen. They have convinced her to go for lunch. Next thing you see, he's taking her into like an apartment. And telling her that she can stay there until she goes to Costa Rica. She says, there's no way she can pay for it. And he says, look, no one's charging you. I still cannot tell if he's conniving, stupid, or just opportunistic. Like, I've watched this show so many times, and I still cannot decide how I feel. It's important to notice that he has a brown paper bag that he puts on the table pulls out a bottle of alcohol, talks about how Lucio's family makes this and it's really good and she should try it. So then they start talking about Lucio, which of course brings back, you know, the memory of Val with Lucio. And she's asking if Sergio is Lucio's best friend. Oh, this is the best line. So (laughs) 
So Sergio sort of shakes his head and says, Lucha is like a dog you love, but he keeps pissing on your rug. <laughs> and then you don't want it. And I think that's probably the best description of Lucha I've ever heard. Yeah. When they've grown up together. You know, it's not like they met the year before. And then he goes on to tell Jules about how Lucha was worse before he was with Val. You know, he had more tantrums and stuff. And they never really clarify how long they've been together, but the implication is years. You know, that Val kind of came back from boarding school in Canada and she and Lucho got together, like, almost immediately. Yeah, I think that would be accurate just based on the way they talk about their relationship and stuff. And then Sergio talks about how Val and Lucho are no longer sort of talking. And then Jules says she saw them hugging. And then Sergio's like, oh, well, look at that. They break up, they get back together, break up, get back together. They've always been like that. She manipulates him, he manipulates her. And then he goes on about how, like, it wouldn't surprise him if they find out they're back together again. So now we're tight on, on Jules's face while he's saying all of this. He's very matter-of-fact about all of this. I don't think he's trying to manipulate her. I think he's just having a, a really stupid conversation about his friends. And I think it's stupid because he's being very negligent about her feelings. Yeah, no, I agree with that assessment. And I think there's, for me, there's kind of this other piece too that, yeah, like he's pretending like this last period of time with Juliana hasn't even happened. And you know, Val's never tried to leave Lucho for somebody else before. Val's never almost, like, gotten her life together and, you know, started managing her feelings better and being, you know, a better version of herself. Like, none of those things have ever happened before. So what he's saying isn't wrong pre-Juliana showing up on the scene. And also, I think there are other little, you know, him telling Val or him telling Juliana that he felt like telling Val that he traded up or she traded up with Juliana, you know, many episodes ago when it kind of came out. Like, he was supportive of their relationship. So, I don't know, maybe, yeah, he's just kind of having a mental lapse and he is coming at it from his own perspective. But it's like all of that stuff, he's just pretending like it never happened right now when he's having this conversation. And I also think that, you know, in situations like this, men are probably a little less warm and fuzzy if we're making generalizations about genders, you know, and he's kind of talking to Juliana like one of his guy friends, especially given the way he refers to Lucho. He's not pulling any punches, but he doesn't take any time to talk about but I know what you guys had is real and it's obvious she cares for you but yeah so it's just he's adding fuel to the fire I don't know though if he knows what they had because he said to Val that she traded up which basically only means that he really thinks highly of Jules but that's been the case since you know he's been into Jules since pretty much the beginning I know he had that you know the thing but when he first met her at the pool he was interested in her then the the dance he was trying again 
So it doesn't necessarily reflect on their relationship because I don't know if he's been privy to much of their relationship other than Lucho's sort of ranting, raving and getting upset at them. But he's been, he's talked to Juliana through it. Has he? They've grabbed coffee and... I mean, I think he understands that it's like not this fleeting thing or he should understand. And I think that that's where the difficulty in this situation comes in and you know again I always talk about like when this show was airing live what was kind of going on in the fandom and what the response was and what is going to happen next was by far the most polarizing and divisive thing to happen on the show so we can finish the scene and then we can kind of talk about it I think everybody probably knows what's coming at this point but we're spending you know a lot of time discussing how we got to this point and how we feel about it as, I think, a plot convention, because it can be a very damaging plot path to go down for the LGBT community. Uh, so whether it's fair that they did this or not, I think is a big, or whether it was right, given how amazing other parts of the show are, whether that was the right decision for the show to make. It's important to note that Jules is dining shot after shot. And now we cut across to uh, uh, Lupe is sitting in Jules' bedroom, looking sadly into her wardrobe. There she finds a picture of her and Jules. And then Panchita comes in and they start talking again. Panchita's being very understanding, and but he keeps pushing the same stuff. You need to give her time. Um, it's not unnatural. Okay, so here's an interesting thing. So Lupe says to him, everything that's happening to me is bad, which it sort of leads me to believe that Lupe seems to have some kind of, I'm going to say a personality disorder because very few people without personality disorders are as me-centric as Lupe is. Yeah. So while I am not a clinical psychiatrist or psychologist or anything fancy like that, I know enough people with personality disorders to sort of recognize some of the symptoms. The very me-centric nature of the way Lupe tends to talk about things leads me to believe she is on some kind of spectrum. Right. And, you know, when she talks to Juliana, she tries to rein it in. And even though it's about her, she makes it about Juliana too. But when it's just Lupe and Panchito, that's when you really see that she thinks that this is some sort of punishment to her that you know Juliana's entire life and existence is nothing except to punish her which yeah to your point you know this episode sponsored by narcissistic parents um that's exactly what she's doing and it makes it so it makes it so hard to have any sympathy for her because the minute that Juliana shows any independence and any gumption and any this is my life I am an autonomous being suddenly Juliana has become the enemy and it's not we're not quite at that point yet because Lupe thinks that she can still get Juliana to come around to her way of thinking and she's been like needling at her again and again like if you're sick of having this conversation Imagine how the viewer feels. Like, I'm so sick of the fact that she has become this one-trick pony, that that's all she can talk about. But it's real. Like, this is real life. You don't just have one conversation and get over it. This is kind of how things are. 
but she is not seeding an inch on this and she keeps trying different tactics to get Juliana to kind of back down from how she feels because it doesn't fit within Lupe's idea of how things should be and the world that Lupe thought that she was going to have. What's interesting also is Lupe is now trying to get Panchita to come around to her way of thinking by using emotional manipulation techniques, talking about how you know her world is so bad and how she's feeling so terrible about all of this. And so Panchita, though, is a good dude and he's not giving even a millimeter. He's like, hold on, what's happening to Juliana is not bad. And he's back on his horse and then she's like, don't start. It's always the same thing, which is ironic from her. Then he talks about how homosexuality is very common and there's a lot of families with gay members. And then he, she's like, oh, who? I don't know anyone. And then he mentions somebody that they went to school with. And then she's like, well, all the girls were crazy about him. And he's like, well, yes. but And he got married. But do you know who he got married to? He got married to his boyfriend, which is just the most fabulous thing last year and then she looks amazed he got married to a man <laughs> he was the best looking guy in our class and then panchita looks a little bit like um hi i'm sitting right here and then he's like well let's not exaggerate <laughs> yeah lupe has just become they use her as this like very important plot device for any and ava too ava's coming from a different perspective though but lupe is like Every crappy stereotype that somebody could have, like, oh, they're too pretty to be, you know, they're too attractive to be gay. Like, why would they choose to be with somebody of the same gender? All of the, you know, all of the girls wanted him. She, yeah, they kind of cycle through, which I think is a good thing. Um, They cycle through almost every, like, plot device of how somebody could respond in this situation. But it's unfortunately Lupe responding that way to every single thing. So it kind of makes you hate her. (laughs) It's true. Interesting point. Panchita goes on to talk about uh, Mexico legalizing same-sex marriage. So I actually did a little bit of research. Here's some interesting stuff. South Africa legalized same-sex marriage in 2006. Mexico legalized same-sex marriage in 2009. Monica, what year did the U.S. legalize same-sex marriage? Was it like 2016? 2015. Well done. I had to actually Google all of that. But that's a massive gap between us and the U.S. So props to South Africa and Mexico. Yeah. (laughs) But the U.S. legalized it on a Pride weekend, and that was a party. I was in San Francisco that year, and it was wild. I didn't realize that. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, they did it on a fr- the Friday of Pride weekend in, in the United States. San Francisco, New York, and a couple of other major cities all have their Pride on the same weekend at the end of June. So it came out that Friday of Pride weekend, and it was just... Oh, man. The good kind of rioting in the streets. That is fantastic. Sadly, there are still many, many countries where it's illegal and punishable by, like, horrible, horrible means. Yeah, absolutely. And even all the states in the United States, you know, didn't previously have protections for LGBTQ people in the workplace. 
Um, and we're very much, you know, steps past at the national level, but then we have very strong states' rights and also corporations and businesses are very strong here. So there's a lot of really stupid things, I think stupid things that businesses can do. You know, they just decided it was okay for businesses to not allow people to use their company-sponsored health insurance to buy, like, contraceptives, like birth control, and it's okay for a business to do that, even though that's how people get their insurance in the United States through their job. Whole another can of stupid. But yeah, it's there is still a lot of convoluted stuff. But I feel, you know, thankful at the, the very basic level that we can marry our same sex or same gender partners. But yeah, absolutely. There's in other countries, it's still a whole, whole different situation. I just I thought it was an interesting point to realize how far back Mexico had, in fact, made it legal because I didn't know until I watched the show that it was that far back. So I actually did the Googling and the fact that they were so ahead of they were six years ahead of the U.S. is great. And I I really don't mean this in a terrible anti-U.S. sort of way, but so often media coming out of the U.S. talks about how backwards Mexico is and that kind of thing. And I'm not, you know, disputing that there are things that need to change in Mexico. But that is a pretty awesome thing. Legalized in 2009. Yeah, and I watched another Mexican television show in, I think, 2007 or 2008 called Las Aparicio that had a female-female storyline that was one of the main, you know, main storylines on the show. So, yeah, Mexico's been doing big things. But yeah, I, I know that definitely they get more of a rap, especially from the United States. I'm not sure how South Africans view Mexico, but viewed as a much more machissimo culture and with more problems than the United States. While that, based on the legislation they've passed, is clearly not the case. How things look in the day-to-day -day existence of people there, I don't know. But yes, they, you know, they have laid more groundwork um, and legislation to support same-sex couples. Okay, so Panchito's still talking about stuff. He's talking about how, you know, when it was legalized, nothing bad happened. And for the first time, she starts saying, maybe you're right. And she's actually thinking about it. I'm having trouble understanding that my daughter likes women. She says it's difficult to understand. And we end on a hopeful note where she says she's going to try. Um, but did you see, like, her eyes? Like, she... <laughs> I don't believe her. I don't know if you believed her. I believe that she has come to the realization that she can't continue in the same vein and something has to give. Yeah. And so she's going to at least try. And you know what? That's a good place to be at. All right. So now we cut to, I think this is the police station or the court or some sort of legal place because now we're back with Guillet's storyline. Renata, yeah. Renata and Val. He wants to help Mr. Castillo, but he doesn't know how. I think this is the dude that was shot. And, okay, so his girlfriend, uh, Guillermo's girlfriend, what's her name? Renata. He's telling Val that they tried to pretend like they were part of like an organization that could help. It was the only way that they could get close to them. Who's Mr. Castillo? It can't be the guy that was shot. I don't actually know what's going on here. 
Yeah, I think he, it must have been, he was the guy that got shot. And then, you know, Gie kind of tried to make things right. So they pretended to be from this foundation and help him and support him. But then it came out that Gie was a part of this and they felt very confused. But Gie's been in prison. So how is this even a thing? I don't think he was immediately. Uh, and also remember, I think like in the life of the show, we've probably experienced 10 days. So this all could have happened in a day. We got him therapy, a wheelchair, and, you know, in one day. And now they're talking to, I don't know, this, this other dude's family member, like a wife or something. And they're begging her to look at the video so that she can see that it wasn't Guille who did this. They're plotting and scheming around Gia's storyline. Yeah, I think it's... I struggle because at this point I'm like, we have so much we need to get through with Juliana and Val, but obviously Val loves her brother, even though he hasn't been in her character arc as much, but they did do a lot of work at the beginning, setting the foundation for how close their relationship is. But I'm just like, dude, you should not be spending your time trying to get Gia out of jail. Like, let him just chill for a couple of days, but... She's very upset by this. So now we cut back to Lupin Panchito Panchito saying you can go to these websites to get information about homosexuality and you can make an appointment to talk to a specialist. Apparently we need specialists, Monica. Did you know that? I think that's the way to say somebody specializing in LGBTQ or coming out issues. I know. I think it's probably a bugbear of just about everybody in the LGBT community that we need some kind of specialists or websites or whatever because people don't understand us and therefore they need to, you know, learn about us because we're so deviant. And she's looking unhappy and he's he's pretty much pushing her. You know, you were, you said you wanted to understand. Here are resources to help. We're moving on this thing. And then somebody knocks at the door and then we cut away to... Back to Jules and Sergio sitting, they're still drinking. Okay, so that is today's episode. You're listening to Lesbians on Screen. I'm Sheena and I'm joined today by author Monica McKellen. Monica, can you tell listeners where they can find you online? Very socially active online, uh, just depends on what channel. Uh, so Twitter is my jam if you want to communicate with me and have the best probability that I will communicate back so it's at Monica McCallan and that's on Twitter I do have a Facebook fan page and I have a website www.monicamccallan.com but for sure if you're looking to hang out and engage and chat about stuff Twitter is where you can find me thank you for listening to Lesbians on Screen a podcast that delves into the world of queer women on big and small screens Join us next week as we continue discussing the global phenomenon that is Julian Tina. If you love this podcast, then rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts and help other fans find us.